Let's turn in God's Word to Ecclesiastes again, and we are in chapter 7, and today I'm going to read verses 10 through 14, Uh, 10, 11, and 12, I will just read, I will not be preaching on those, the the preaching portion will be verses 13 and 14, but let us now hear uh, the Word of, of the living God, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 10. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Verse 13, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find nothing that will happen after him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the written word of God we have it in our hand, Lord, may we hide it in our hearts today and that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A man from New York City was uh, driving through Texas uh, one day and he collided with a truck that was uh, pulling a horse trailer behind it. A few months later, the man decided to collect damages from his injuries, and the uh, attorney's uh, uh, defense said, how can you now claim to have all these injuries? Uh, according to the police report, at the time uh, of the, the accident, you said you were not hurt. And the man replied, well, it's like this. I was lying in the road in pain, and I heard someone say that the horse had broken his leg, and, 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 and the policeman turned around and shot and killed the horse. And then he turned to me and said, are you okay? <laughs> what about you this morning? Are you okay? Actually, we, you know, when we ask that question, uh, we're often hesitant to, to tell the truth, and, and that's uh, that's how we are, uh, and but the question is, the, the chances are that uh, you're not okay, not completely. There are struggles, there are trials, uh, there's pain, uh, there's strife in your life, and if so, then you and I need to consider the sovereignty of our God. Uh, it's a serious reflection on the sovereignty of God will help you deal with the hardships that you're facing uh, in life. And, and that's part of wisdom. That's part of, and, and these Proverbs in chapter 7, they're all in, in the form of, of Proverbs, uh, give us wisdom to rightly navigate uh, the ups and downs of life. Uh, it, you know, it, it enables us, uh, wisdom in the Word of God enables us to have His perspective on life. That's what we need. Uh, and, and, and wisdom, according to James 1.5, is something that God gladly gives to those who ask him, to those who seek it from his hand. So do you need that kind of wisdom today to learn how to deal 
with the troubles and trials that you face. Well, maybe you're in a difficult situation. You don't know what to do. Obviously, you need wisdom. Uh, you're suffering and you feel that you just can't handle life. I just can't handle this. You need wisdom uh, to deal with it. If, if you're undergoing a time of intense temptation, uh, you need wisdom to know how to resist that temptation and to flee it if necessary. And even if you're enjoying, and maybe especially if you're enjoying a time of peace and prosperity, uh, when everything's going well, you need wisdom so that you would learn to not forget the Lord and that you would not drift away from him. And so one of the greatest parts of wisdom is learning to acknowledge and embrace the sovereignty of God in your life, to come to grips with it. Have you considered the sovereign work of God? Have you studied his sovereignty in the plan of salvation? Have you meditated deeply on his providence in your life? Uh, do you truly believe in God's absolute sovereignty? And if you do, do you live in light of that fact? Are you submitting to his sovereign will? Do you find comfort and joy in this truth? Well, I mentioned earlier that, that God's sovereignty means he has the power, the wisdom, the authority to do anything he desires to do with his creation and, and that he actually does foreordain whatsoever comes to pass in our lives. And, and Solomon begins in verse 13 and he urges us to consider the work of God. Solomon wants us to pause and to think about God's sovereignty uh, in, in his work. In this world, he wants to consider it not merely as a point of abstract theology. I love theology. I love to read about God's sovereignty, and and we should study it in the Bible. But we need to understand that uh, we need to live our lives in light of this sovereignty that we read about. And certainly, it is in the daily uh, circumstances of our lives that that this belief. This conviction that God is sovereign will be put to the test. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a Scottish preacher from uh, a century or two ago named Thomas Boston. And, and some of the painful affliction and sadness that he experienced, not unlike many others in his day before the advances of um, medical knowledge. And uh, six of his ten children died in childhood, and yet... Thomas Boston never charged God with wrongdoing. He never uh, complained about what God did in taking his young children. Phil Riken writes, rather than turning away from the Lord in his time of trial, he turned toward the Lord for help and comfort. And that's what we need to do when we think about the sovereignty of God in, in our trials. Turn to God, not away from him. But later on, uh, Thomas Boston preached a classic sermon that is still in print today uh, on this very verse, verse 13, Ecclesiastes 7:13, and he titled it "The Crook in the Lot." And he wasn't talking about a criminal on a on a, a vacant lot in, in in a neighborhood. He's talking about uh, something crooked uh, in your lot in life, something difficult, something painful. And so he says, everything, everyone goes through. Uh, things like this uh, and has a crook in the lot. Uh, 
and, and, and so we tend to think uh, that when we look at some people, we think, well, those people don't have any problems. And they live a charmed life. Their lives are, you know, perfect. They're, they're, you know, they have money. They, everything's sunny. Everything's wonderful with them. And, uh, and that's what the psalmist in Psalm 73 was tempted uh, to think when he looked at the wicked. But sometimes we can look at uh, other Christians, even other people in the church, and think, well, they, uh, you know, they don't suffer like I do. They don't know what my life is like because their life is perfect. They don't have any troubles. But that's not true. Uh, Thomas Boston said, everybody's lot in this world has some crook in it. Uh, and, and so you can be sure that, that the person sitting next to you, the person you think has it made, doesn't really have it made. And, and if you are going through a painful situation, some difficult times, then you need to know you're, you're not the only one. Uh, everyone faces trials. And really, when you become a Christian... There are more trials that you face uh, than before you are a Christian. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can, you can know this, that your faith is going to be tested. Now, it's God's design to test that faith. And we shouldn't be surprised, and Peter says this, when suffering comes into our lives because God is testing our faith uh, and as he said to Job, you know, or as Job said, he says, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. So God is trying you. He's testing you. But he's doing it for a purpose, a high and holy purpose. So you should not be surprised when suffering comes along to test you. Neither should you be surprised when prosperity and success comes along to test you. Both are a test. I love uh, the verse 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, and one translation puts it this way, and it's an accurate translation. It says, you have been put to no test, but such as is common to man. And God is true, who will not let any test come on you, which you are not able to undergo. But he will make with the test a way out of it, so that you may be able to go through it. You think, this test is too much for me. I cannot, I cannot do it. I cannot pass it. I cannot go through it. God says you can. And you know, he will enable you uh, to, to go through it. And so, first of all, your trial, your test is not unique. Uh, many others have experienced what you ha have gone through and, and some worse. And the same faithful God who helped them through their trials and temptations uh, is your God if you know Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, you can count on him, if you're a Christian, uh, to be your helper. That not only, uh, you know, he will make a way through the test because he has ordained the test and he will make a way through it. So consider the work of God. And he goes on, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? Now, some people read those verses and they think, well, Solomon is just... Uh, a fatalist. He's, you know, if God's put a crook in your lot, you know, then there's nothing you can do about it. It's just your fate, and uh, you, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a blind fate. But that's not Christian Christian faith. That's not the biblical view. Uh, that that's impersonal. And and God is a personal God. He's a God who loves us, who cares about us. He's not only all powerful and sovereign, but he's a loving and caring God. And so if there's something crooked in your lot, yes, it is by the hand of God, but 
But remember, this God, if you know Christ, is for you. He is for you. Uh, and he does uh, love you. And so the crook in the lot is a test. And it's for your good. Uh, and, 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 and in it, you need to know that God is for you. You say, God is against me, or he wouldn't have allowed this to happen in my life. No, God is for you. And if God is for you, nothing can be against you. And so, uh, because he's in control of all things, your life and your circumstances. In verse 14, he moves on. He says, in the day, uh, he's given an example now of, of God's sovereignty. Two examples. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God's appointed one as well as the other. So two things, a day of prosperity, a day of adversity. And uh, we need to be ready to accept one as well as the other. And we don't know each day of our lives. We do not know which one it will be. And often it's both. Uh, But we we need to be ready to accept them from the hand of God. Job, speaking to his wife who didn't have as much faith as he did. Uh, But after the loss of their children and of of their property, uh, he said to his wife, Shall we not indeed accept good from God, and shall we not also accept adversity? Uh, So that's the thing. Uh, Sometimes we accept uh, prosperity and good easy enough, but, but not adversity. But we need both. Of these things. So, adversity and prosperity, two completely different things, two completely opposite things, but they have this one thing in common. They come from God, a God who is sovereign over all things. And He appoints one and He appoints the other. So, you might think that things are just happening randomly, but nothing happens randomly in this world. Uh, the Bible says that God sends sunshine, he sends the rain, he sends prosperity, and he sends adversity. So what is prosperity? Well, prosperity is, is a day of sunshine, a day when everything is, is going your way. It's a time when uh, you know everything is good and pleasant and agreeable. So in, in, in the day of, of prosperity, uh, you know, it's... it's it's pleasant. It's it's easy. It's enjoyable. But in a, a day of adversity, on the other hand, is when everything can seem to be against you. And sometimes things can change in an instant. All of a sudden, everything and everyone seems to be against you. Uh, nothing's going right. And uh, things, everything is bad. Everything's unpleasant. Everything's disagreeable. Well, God, you see, balances prosperity, and adversity against each other. And we actually need both of these things in our lives. And I think we know that, but it's good to, to, to reflect on it and, and to state the obvious, uh, that God has a wise and loving purpose in both of these things, and that he's predestined and, and, and indeed foreordained uh, both of these things. So think about your life. If your life contained only uh, uh, adversity, if it was all adversity, all the time, uh, what would it be like? Well, you would, you would grow weary. Uh, you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. You would uh, feel like giving up. On the other hand, what if everything was always prosperous, successful, delightful in your life? You say, I could, I'd like to try that. 
Uh, what, what, would, what would happen then? Well, you would become proud. You would forget God. Uh, Adam Clark in his commentary said that, that without adversity, we would put prosperity in the place of God himself. And we don't want that. Uh, and God knows uh, that adversity. In adversity, you see, if we've drifted from God, if we've forgotten God in our prosperity, he sends adversity. And guess what? Uh, in adversity, all of a sudden, we remember God, don't we? Even people who seem to have never known God ever suddenly remember God in their adversity. Uh, and it's God's design. Uh, but he always balances one with the other. You know, sometimes when things are hard, we, we tend to think that it's all adversity. It's all hard all the time, but it's never really like that. You know, there are always countless blessings that we experience every day of our lives, even in the most trying of circumstances. That's why we really should count our blessings. So when you're going through a difficult time, uh, start to focus on the blessings that God has given to you. Uh, in your life and thank him for them every day. Uh, otherwise, when you're being tested, if you don't do that, if you don't count your blessings and give thanks in those trials, you'll be tempted to think that, that God's just not fair or that he doesn't care. And that's not true because the word of God tells us uh, that that he is a just judge and that he does love us. Uh, by nature, we tend to like to be in control of our lives, don't we? Uh, but we're not in control. And so to try to run your own life actually is, is one definition of sin. Uh, Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So to go your own way and to try to just run your own life, uh, it's good if God doesn't let you get too far with that. Uh, because if you did, you would forget God altogether. And, uh, you know, and again, if we could somehow control our lives, we would rule out all adversity. Uh, that is for sure. And so if you try to do that, if you try to control your own life and try to only have, uh, you know, prosperity, so to speak, uh, it's a losing battle uh, because God's going to bring adversity and God is in control. You are not. So it, it's best that we, uh, that we recognize this, and, and, the, and the smart way to think about life is like this. I, I know God is in control. I know I'm not in control. And if I try to take control, uh, I'm going to fail because God's the Almighty. And, and I'm not able to resist his will. I cannot choose my life. God is the one who is in control of all things. And that's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 9.9. 9. It says, for who has resisted his will? And the answer is no one. And he, and he goes on in verse 20 of Romans 9. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? So try all you want. You cannot resist his will. It, it is futile. So, you know, can the finite created being demand that the infinite creator do things our way. Is that, does that sound right to you? No, not at all. How foolish to think about it, but that's often what we do. And, and, and how do you know if, you're, if you've become one who is demanding that God do things your way? Because when he doesn't, you begin to complain, you get upset, 
and you began to pitch a fit. That's when you know that you're trying to demand God do things your way. Well, he's not going to let you uh, do things your way. And, and, and so, you know, but if we, if we start grumbling and complaining, in effect, what we're saying, not directly, but we're saying, God, you messed up. You didn't give me what I wanted. You should have done things my way. Uh, if we can just kind of sometimes when we're in those, you know, complaining situations, recognize what we're doing. I think it will make us uh, stop doing it. But on the other hand, uh, like I've said, if things are going well uh, and going our way, we can be uh, tempted to just leave God out uh, of our thoughts. And and uh, and we can think that, well, it's now things are going well. They're, they're going to keep going well. and uh, But not necessarily because adversity will come. And again, if you have forgotten God, it's good that he sends adversity. In Job 8 and verse 12, uh, the, the speaker there, I don't think it's Job, but speaks of a plant that wilts and, and dies without water, which is what plants do without water. And the next verse, it says, So are all the paths, uh, so are the paths of all who forget God. Those who, in their prosperity, forget God are, are going to shrivel up because God's the source of. Our lives, and so what does adversity do? Think, thinking of a plant, well, adversity is the rain that comes, uh, and it nourishes the plant. So adversity is a time for your soul and my soul to be nourished. Uh, adversity brings you back to God, so that you can be nourished. He alone sustains our lives. So what do we do then in the day of prosperity? Uh, Solomon said, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Be joyful. Uh, and it's interesting, the words for the words uh, translated prosperity and joyful are actually the exact same word in Hebrew. Uh, and so you could translate it, actually, literally, in the day of happiness, be happy. Uh, and so God is actually commanding you uh, here to be happy, to be joyful. And you wouldn't think we would need to be told to be happy in a time of prosperity. But sometimes when things start going well for us, we feel a little guilty because then we, we look around at others and they have it so much worse than we do. Why, why am I so blessed? Why, I don't feel good about that. I don't feel right about that. Well, that's, God says don't think that way. I have blessed you. I have made you to prosper. Be joyful. Be joyful. And, uh, you know, some people just because of their pessimistic outlook in life, or I don't know, you know, what uh, goes through some people's minds. I'm sure it's gone through my mind, but we, we can't enjoy the blessings of God because because we, we're just, you know, thinking, well, I know things are going right now, but I'm such a sinner. I don't deserve this. And I know that things are going to turn south soon. They always do. So we just wait for the next horrible thing to come along. Uh, well, adversity is going to come, but while, while you're enjoying a time of peace and blessing and prosperity, enjoy that. Don't, uh, don't look ahead to the adversity. Uh, it'll come uh, in its own time. In Ecclesiastes 3.4, you may remember that Solomon said, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. So the time of prosperity... Uh, a blessing. That's a time to rejoice, a time to laugh, uh, a time to dance. Uh, so, so are you rejoicing in, in the good things that God has 
given to you. God commands it. The Bible says God gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so enjoy the day of prosperity. Have some fun. Live. Live a little. And uh, and do so as unto the Lord, thanking him for those blessings that come your way, because they come from him. And uh, some people are so negative and so focused on their troubles and their trials that when God blesses them, they're not able to enjoy them because they still can't get those things out of their minds. But um, in the Old Testament, it's very interesting. In the Old Testament, God said uh, he would send curses upon his own people for certain things that they, uh, certain failures in their lives. And one of the reasons given in Deuteronomy 28, 47, says uh, that he would send curses because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. He's bringing them into the promised land. He says, if you don't serve me with joy and gladness for the abundance I'm giving you, then you'll be cursed. You will be cursed. So, so God, he could have just said, obey my commands. I'm God. I require it. But what he says is, I have chosen to bless you, to prosper you, to send you into a promised land. And for us, that's heaven. That's what we have to look forward to. But there are also many blessings here and now. Uh, and he says, I want you to obey me with a cheerful heart, a heart that does rejoice in the Lord and that's cheerful. God loves us to be cheerful and happy uh, in those times. But in the day of prosperity, you and I need to be joyful. But what about adversity? How are you supposed to handle that? Uh, some people say rebuke the devil, right? Uh, or, or pray for deliverance. Some people cry and complain until God uh, answers or somebody feels sorry for it. Uh, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, have a pity party until at least somebody is going to feel sorry for you. But Solomon says, no, in the day of adversity, uh, consider God's appointed one as well as the other. And notice he doesn't say, in the day of adversity, be sad or unhappy. No. He just says, consider. He says, just think uh, about the sovereignty of God because he appoints both things. Uh, understand it. Understand the sovereignty of God. Understand it and accept it. Uh, accept both things in your life. Because if you do, then you'll be able to profit from both things. Uh, both uh, prosperity and adversity. So how do you handle trials? How did you handle difficulty this week, this past week? I imagine there were times when you fretted about it, when you uh, were discouraged, uh, when you became upset, but hopefully you came out uh, on the other side of those things and you used them, you took advantage of these things as an opportunity for spiritual growth. I believe that's one of God's designs for uh, adversity. And so a time of training, a time of spiritual growth. You know, I, I, I love uh, sports, not all sports, but some sports, and I enjoy playing some sports and, and thinking about it. And, you know, we see these professional athletes and how amazing they are, and they uh, perform at such a high level but we, what we don't see is what's behind the scenes, the, the agony, the training, the, the rehab, the, you know, the, the pains and, and the hard work that goes into that time. So for us, you see, 
adversity is a training time uh, preparing us for the future, and it's a time for soul-searching, a time for reflection, a time for prayer, a time to seek God's strength, uh, particularly to enable you to persevere. Uh, James 1, 2 and 3 says this, Consider it great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And notice James does not say that the trials in themselves are joyful. But he says, consider it great joy when they come. And he sounds like Solomon here. He says, consider it. Think about what God is doing. In other words, with uh, the trials he's sending in your life. Because it's a test of your faith. But the, the test is for a purpose. It's to produce endurance. Just like the athlete who puts in long hours of training ahead of time, is so he can endure when it comes uh, time uh, to compete. Hebrews 10.36 says, You have need, Christian, of endurance. You have need of endurance. And the only way to get it is by way of adversity. So consider adversity as great joy because it comes from God who knows what he's doing. He's sovereign. But he's up to something in your life, and that is one of those things is to produce endurance. Now notice at the end of verse 14 of our text, he says, Man can find out nothing that will come after him. You and I, in other words, cannot predict the future. God hasn't promised to reveal it to us. I don't think we should pry into it. So many Christians go wrong here. They try to think they know the future. And we listened to a program in Sunday school about a man who was used by God. Uh, there was revival going on, but he went too far, and he began to think he could know the future and, and predict what was coming, and, and he couldn't do it. And, and none of us can. And so uh, he keeps us in the dark concerning tomorrow, but what he, he does tell us what to do about tomorrow. Jesus says has, in, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Have no care for tomorrow. Uh, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Take the trouble of the day as it comes. It's really good advice for us to take one day at a time. Because you don't have tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. Um, but we do have today. Learn to trust God one day at a time. Thank Him for prosperity when it comes. Enjoy that time. That, that, that period of, of, of joy is, is for you. Uh, but be prepared for adversity because you don't know, do not know what a day will bring forth. Don't presume upon the Lord one way or the other. So what should we do? We should rely on the promises of God. Uh, trust in the Lord uh, with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You will not be able to figure it out. God's sovereignty is beyond us. His sovereign will and plan uh, is beyond us. You'll know as it comes to pass, but to really understand all he's doing, no, it, it's not going to happen in this life normally. So rely on the promises of God, uh, submit to him, obey him, of course, and, 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 and remember that often prosperity is a greater test than adversity is. Either way, what should you do? Prosperity, adversity, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, because he endured the cross. He endured that cross, and, and as we just sang, we should survey, we should consider 
Consider the sovereignty of God in the cross. It's one of the most amazing uh, things in the world that God allowed the very worst thing that ever happened, that the Son of God would be crucified by evil and wicked men, and yet for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the throne of God. He endured adversity and now has ultimate joy at the right hand of God. And so Christ endured adversity, so can you. Because he lives in you. And he is with you. Whenever you're facing trials, you can handle them with Christ at your side. Whenever you're facing uh, prosperity, you can enjoy it with Christ at your side. Do all things uh, uh, as unto the Lord uh, with thanksgiving. So, uh, think about it. God has not given us what our sins deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve all adversity all the time. Eternal pain, eternal torment. God hasn't given us that. He's given us far, far less than what our sins deserve. And when Christ came, he came to give us life. He said, I came to give him life, give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That's just almost shocking, you know, but it's true. Remember, as we close in Psalm 103, the psalmist said this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Count them up. Who forgives all your iniquities, he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things. And so I can testify, and you can testify, uh, that, that God uh, is your healer. He is the one who forgives you. He is your helper. So let us praise our sovereign God from whom all blessings flow. And even in adversity, makes his children grow. Let's pray. Lord, we bow before you and acknowledge your greatness, your sovereign rule and reign over the universe and even over our very lives. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. And this is amazing to us that you would even consider us and be mindful of us. I pray, Lord, that we will consider, rightly consider, the sovereign work of God and help us to apply it in our daily walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your hymnal. And uh, this last hymn is, is a right response to the sovereign God. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. 688 in your hymnal. Thank you.